What's up, kids? Welcome to Poolside Chats with Dom and Chris, the show where we talk about everything from music production to the spiritual side of music creation. I am Chris. And I am Dom. And here we go. All right, we're good. Right on. Dom, it's been a while. Sure has. Not since I've seen you, but since we've documented our time together with microphones any of our conversations podcast. right <laughs> yeah right, right, right. recorded any combos we've had a lot between the last podcast and now we have we have some good ones too and you think we'd have a lot to talk about but we don't we don't <laughs> no, no. we just you know kind of shoot from the hip and see where things go yeah yeah so we're gonna shoot from the hip a lot obviously as we always do but <laughs> i think to get rolling because we had a, a pretty good question this week via the uh beginner to advanced music production facebook group from maurice Maurice asked what? What did Maurice want to know about? What, creativity? How to get past your creative blocks. How do you do that, Dom? Enlighten us. Um, I, my favorite way of getting, if like, for instance, let's say I have a creative block, I will start, I'll get into the mindset that I don't have to make any progress on a track. Because mm. that's, that's the uh, detriment of a lot of producers is they start thinking, oh, if I'm not progressing, I'm not, accomplishing my dreams and goals right you know right but i'll just i have i'm fortunate enough to have a lot of tools you know a lot of or um toys yeah. just a lot of plugins so um a lot of plugins a lot of uh guitar pedals just gear to mess with so especially analog synths so what i'll do is i'll just pick up an instrument and start jamming with no a lot of times i'll record it just in case mm-hmm. just in case it sp- inspires a new song idea but i'll just start jamming and playing just being a musician nice not a producer just a straight-up musician like i'm just playing for someone nice you nice. know myself usually but well yes yes yeah so that's Hopefully, what i do you have I to just, like the music I first just, if you don't no one's gonna yeah creative block is a block of the mind and that just means that you're in a weird mindset right and so you just have to change your mindset for that time being and eventually you will uh get inspired by something you do or maybe some random thing you do gets you inspired to try something new in your track and that's what we strive for when we're producing or at least when i do is the exciting new accidents and moments that want you that make you think that your songs were something <laughs> right right totally <laughs> you know? yeah. and you just got to find those moments and that's how i do it nice. how about you man well I have a very similar approach um, to you um, with with noodling around with instruments. You know, I've got MIDI controllers and a piano and guitars, but ultimately, for me, I, I I've kind of gotten away from the guitar side of things or the instrument side of things. I just like to you know s- switch through patches on Silenth and Massive and stuff like that, and just have one hand on the MIDI controller and just hitting random notes, yeah. you know, and just finding the key and boom, boom, boom and just seeing what kind of sticks, you know, what I'm kind of feeling. And it's weird because like. I, I, in my productions, I cross a lot of genres. So it's like, for me, like if I hit a trance patch that was in like an electro house song, I'm like, oh, that's cool. That actually kind of gives it this weird contrast kind of thing, which is kind of nice. But for people who don't play instruments, as a lot of people don't these days, which is totally fine. You know, you don't need to play an instrument to be, um, you know, a producer these days, which is awesome. Back in the day, you kind of had to have some kind of a skill set. Don't get me wrong. It still is helpful to know a little bit about music theory, a couple piano chords, stuff like that. But I think if you're kind of in the box, Um, the best way to do things is, you know, repurpose what you have. Like for instance, if you have a, you know, lead line and you're bored of it, copy it, you know, throw like three or four crazy plugins on it, like isotope stutter or wow, you know, um, by sugar bites and like really just mess up the audio and just that alteration of the audio I think would just inspire a different thought process because you're looking at what you already have, but in a totally different light and who knows something's as simple as that might totally inspire a different direction. But you mentioned thoughts, and I think that's a, a good thing to talk about because they create like a brick wall. You know, it's like once you start thinking certain things, like I want to sound like X or I want my song to have a feel like Y or whatever, you're kind of pigeonholing yourself into a lack of creativity because now you have an objective, you have an expectation, you're trying to reach a certain goal. And goals are great, but I think when it comes to creativity, creativity is supposed to be very free flowing in the moment and goalless. So I think just if you're thinking too much or you have anxiety about it or you're frustrated with yourself, I think rather than trying to force being creative, if you're not willing to repurpose some samples, it's just take a 10 minute break, listen to some music you like, go back into the mix and just keep experimenting. Yeah, well said. I um, Another thing I'd like to add to that is 
I've been, this is a recent development for me because it's hard to just slow down when you're producing and you just want to go, go, go. And you'll throw a synth here, just throw an EQ on here. And then you get into this frenzy almost sometimes of just Mm -hmm. throwing shit on, Mm -hmm. wanting to get something done because there's only so many hours in the day. But something that I found I do generally when I listen to music is I'll just start tapping, right? Like I'll tap on my just pants or like legs just to, um, and I'll start creating an alternate beat for it. Mm. Um, and then I'll also sometimes come up with like with synth lines that would go with it. Like Mm -hmm. as if I was remixing a song. Mm. So this is something I started doing to my stuff. So if I think my arrangement's too sparse, instead of just grabbing open serum or an analog synth or something and just starting to noodle with it, I actually kind of meditate while I'm listening to it Mm. and just let things pop into my head. Instead of trying to get those happy accidents all the time, I try to get educated accidents of, thinking about what I want in the song now Mm. um, and actually having a game plan and trying to make my ideas come to life onto the DAW Mm. instead of, because almost every 99% of all my stuff, and I believe I've said this before, is always happy accidents that I'm like, that's the shit. I didn't mean to do that. Right. But I was here and working on stuff to allow it to happen. Right. You know, but now I usually get a core of a song that way, but now I'm trying to think of arrangement and actually visualize songs as a whole now and think of how I want this to go into this because I've listened to so much music and now I'm trying to let it teach me as to like what's liked and how I can break what's, you know, break the rules, mm-hmm. but at the same time holding true to what's been tried and tested. Right. Um, instead of just, cause I'll, I'll get some weird arrangements because I'm not thinking about them. I'm too focused on sound design or um, EQing or something, you know, before my song's even done. Right. And so just meditating on your own music. That's good. Letting shit come to you. I like that. So question, you yeah. you said that you, you know, tap on your pants or, or on your legs. Yeah. And I'm curious, are your pants like <laughs> off and the pants are to the right and you're tapping on those and then you switch over to your legs or how does this kind of work out? I could have easily not said pants and <laughs> that, was just a, that was just a... I was just curious because yeah. your last Lotus Sound I, photo was you, uh, what I believe to be either naked, which is great, or... The, the illusion of being naked so it just made me trigger like maybe he just his pants could be maybe they're like a thick corduroy material that has yeah. a nice soaking effect usually my stuff already has a actually i will tap to try to get because just doing the sample boots and cats these days doesn't really get you right. very far there's right. like great guys like no mana who's a great artist if you never listened to he's on the mousetrap label i feel like he takes the dead mouse vibe and makes it a lot more modern mm. and does really cool intricate stuff but so to get those kind of intricate things that aren't necessarily always on the grid you know those cool little diddles is what i call them Mm -hmm. that uh kind of make you as an artist especially when you're doing the genre that no mana is doing right um shout out to no mana i'm like listening to all of his stuff recently it's amazing but um it's uh yeah that's what helps is when i'm banging on my pants and or legs and or legs that may or may not be on my body nice nice (laughs) um yeah just just start playing like even that's the form of playing an instrument is playing my legs right no for sure and then it just allows me to step away from all the technical stuff and just jam right jamming's a great thing to get past it creativity because some of the most fun i've ever had and maybe you can attest to this is just when i've been jamming with friends and we're not even recording and because it's just whatever happens happens and it's all about just matching everyone's energy and playing as a whole it's like right. playing on a team but with music sure you know no that's the best that's where this generation and we're a part of this generation but like the, the day of the band is done you know it's like people are producing music on laptops in their bedroom with headphones and they're lucky at best if they've got one friend or maybe two friends who's interested in music production and actually they can get like a second pair of ears or send a you know a splice song over to another guy and you know that lives across the world and say hey you write the beats of this I'll write the melody so it's like we don't really have that synergy anymore and that's what's tough because like when you're in a band you know Dom and I come from bands like as a guitarist like it's very easy for or it was very easy to me when I was playing a lot to just listen to the drummer And just by listening to the drummer, I could come up with different chords and different rhythms just by going off of what he was playing. Maybe I would mimic it. Maybe I'd do the opposite of it. Maybe I'd play in the gaps when he would pause. And it's just like that synergy of working with other people is really invaluable. And it's something that unfortunately we as producers, you know, don't really have the luxury of anymore because, you know, back then you had to buy, you know, $500 guitar, $500 amp, drive somewhere, hook it all up, have like a garage to play. And now you walk in your bedroom to power up the laptop, turn on the headphones and you're making music. So it's empowering, 
But at the same time, there is we have to overcome more as individuals, you know, when it comes to creativity. And I think that the big, um, I guess, pitfall for producers these days who are also trying to be and being recording artists who are being mixing engineers who are learning mastering at home is there's so many hats one person has to wear now. So I think like a lot of creative rock stem from like detracting from what your ambition is to start with. So if you go into the studio thinking, I want to write a song tonight and you wind up writing a drum part and then you get lost in compression settings and EQ settings, you're not really writing a song anymore. You're mixing. And it's like the mixing stage will come, but then it gets frustrating because you might be two hours deep into mixing the drums. They might sound great. And you think, Oh damn, like I, I don't have any idea how to write a melody. And now I'm writing chords and nothing's clicking. And then I get frustrated and turn off the laptop. So I think it's all about, you know, focusing on one thing at a time. Like, yes, you're going to write instruments. Yes, you're going to produce. Yes, you're going to mix. Yes, you're most likely going to master. But I would say focus on one thing at a time. Like you said, you're focusing on the whole vision of the song. If the song isn't there and you don't feel creatively inspired to have the song be complete, why are you mixing anything? You know, why are you even messing with plugin settings at that point unless it's to inspire creativity in some way? Let me put it this way. Um, yeah, the more gear I get, the less I find myself reaching for it because right. I'm getting more and more interested in making things sound the way I want it with sound design and um, sound sample choices. And the current song I'm working on has is the best sounding thing by far that I've done. And it has the least amount of plugins and has no analog gear on it yet. Mm -hmm. And it's all from pure just making things fit together. And I just Absolutely. meticulously spent the time and uh yeah it's sounding great um but another thing i wanted to say was uh, it was interesting that you talked about like a crossover from people in bands going into edm because i feel like you said there's the era of the bands over but i see a lot of band concerts that are still going of new people playing in bands and i'm i'd willing I'd be willing to bet that the people doing edm aren't the people who would normally be in bands they're more of the non-musicians wanting to get into music and this is their forte sure so but you I, say but it's definitely not as many bands as like in the 90s that's all there was right but i right? think that what technology's done though is like if you wanted to be in music 20 years ago 10 years ago you had to play an instrument the capability to do it on a laptop didn't yeah. exist there was no virtual synths back then you know yeah. you have a very realistic choice now to not be in a band totally so it's like i agree with that but i'm just simply saying that it's like being that it's all a one-man show now is empowering but at the same time like unless you have a friend who lives down the street or you go to college or something like yeah. that you probably won't interact with anybody else making music so it's like you can't get their opinion on something yeah. you can't bounce your ideas off anybody else like that you know like you know how it is like it's good to bring in a third party perspective it's the oh, reason yeah. why you're here right now in the studio with me it's like I value third party perspectives and I understand like I want to be inspired by other people a lot of times let's just be real like our creativity can get tapped we can get frustrated we can get dejected about what we're doing and unless we have another person to reach out to who's even interested in what we're doing it can be kind of hard to overcome that absolutely and case in point the song i'm working with is a collaboration there you go and so it's been literally two guys going at it never arguing but always saying when we don't think something's good right off the bat right and I want to say 100% of the time we've both agreed that when we try something that something doesn't work. We've ne I've never fought for anything that Sean thought worked or and vice versa so far. That's and good. It's just because I well, guess you're both being objective. You yeah, know, but I mean no cuz at some point, you know, writes music. Yeah, you would think that we would have one of us would do something that real but like yeah, as of now, nothing's happening. It's only been progressing us forward and sounding amazing. That's good. <laughs> No, I, I think everybody should reach out, and this could be a, a way to create... And you touch know, faith? Well, well, yes, obviously. <laughs> reach out and touch... Um, good song. Um, who did that song originally? Uh, it, I think Marilyn Manson covered it. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's Personal Jesus Depeche by Depeche, Depeche Mode. Mode. Yeah, yeah okay, cool. Personal, yeah, that's Personal yeah, yeah. Jesus. And then, um, yeah, I think Marilyn Manson covered it. I think so, too. Um, Marilyn, yeah. I was yeah. going to... Not Monroe. Not Manson. Monroe. <laughs> yeah, no, way, way different genre. Um, genre. 
Way different. What, yeah. yeah, just worlds apart. Gender, right? Yeah, well, Gen- maybe. gender genre. <laughs> so many things. Um, no, I think you know what might help people too is you know this might be a good opportunity for people like if you don't have anybody that you make music with, regardless of what age you are or where you live, you know, get on a forum. You know, get on the Facebook group and say, hey, I want to collab. You know, or get on Splice. You know, there's many outlets out there yeah. now that can you can tap into people just to start working together and creating ideas. But I think you know to sum it up. If, if I could sum up the creative process in one word, for me, it would be patience. Like you have to have an immense amount of patience. And, and it marijuana. Starts a lot of marijuana. <laughs> marijuana. Marijuana can be very Actually, powerful too to it, give you a third party perspective for within lot, yourself. Yeah. yeah no, for a lot for sure. of people, that's the case, but I actually don't use it for that. But um, I have recently yeah. in the last few months, just because I I have it at my disposal now. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, I only do it like on the nights where, like I said, like I was working on a song for a couple months. You know, really trying to figure out my techniques and what I wanted to do for my own brand of music. And there was tons of nights where I went in the studio and smoked simply because, or took an edible, which is great too, because yeah. those are very much like a body mushroomy kind of experience. Yeah, and and it's crazy because like you know. It's easy to get another third-party perspective in yourself on a substance. Not to say you just walk around fucked up all the time, but I'm just saying I don't think it's unhealthy to do that, especially as you know an artist being in the creative field. Well, just be open-minded and know yourself. Know Absolutely. what you're what you're capable of when you're on substances mm-hmm. and what you're not. Like right. for me, I know I'm not capable of being productive. No, so I don't do it. No. Some people know they can't be productive and do it. Right. But I like to progress in my life. That's good. <laughs> and so I just do it at night, which sometimes carries over to the next day and right. just help. I still kind of have a weird mindset, you know, that haze or whatever, mm-hmm. but, um, Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think what you're talking about is awareness. You know, you're talking yeah. about you have a level of awareness for your own life to where you know what you are comfortable doing, what you can't do, where you're best doing things, times of day. And I think that's the most important part of life. You know, as you get to know yourself, you have to be able to be aware of like what works for you and what doesn't. And yeah. Don't lie to yourself. You know, just be yep. honest within you. But to circle back, like I think that, you know, as Dom talked about sample selection and sound design, like for me, I will spend as long as it takes, as long as it's needed on the samples on the patches without even touching a plugin because I just feel like it's like the source you know I'm not recording like I once did I'm not bringing in a drummer to record you know drums but if I did I would ask him to bring a couple snares if possible some different cymbals um, and I would try to get different textures and different tones so being that we're in a sample world now it's just don't rush things you know yeah. like I get it you want to get the song done you want to move on to the next song but it's like why not take an extra 45 minutes to hunt through 75 snares there is to find the one that really fits the track best. I mean, then when you get to the mixing phase, you're going to be so much happier. The energy is going to be there. It's going to feel like a better song. You're going to get more inspired, which then boosts your creativity all because you were patient and you took your time with each step instead of trying to rush through it and just get shit accomplished. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so, um, what else do you want to talk about, Dom? What are you, what have you been doing lately that you feel is, is worthy of starting a debate or a discussion about? <laughs> debate. A let's debate. get debating. Let's, let's debate. Um, well, this is kind of along the lines of, uh, open-mindedness and, um, also not rushing things. Um, for instance, I came to you today, like really excited about multiband compression Yeah. because I finally found how I like to use it in some presets and stuff you know because mm-hmm. um, multiband compression has been used a lot you know like right. a lot it's been on a lot of famous tracks it's been on it's used well absolutely and i've never come to peace with it until recently um because i read i watched a video that greg wells did who did like a lot of pop stuff katie perry's worked with katie perry and mayor hawthorne and um mika i think um a lot of people <laughs> yeah huge credit he's a yeah. producer um and mixer songwriter and see so he is talking about how he uses the linear um linear phase multiband by waves i don't have that plugin so i brought up the fab filter and try to do a similar thing that he did which was find he basically found a preset called like electro mastering or something on the linear phase i actually screenshotted the uh preset um to see what was going on because it actually showed it in the video and then i kind of adapted it to the fab filter to see if i liked it similar thing turns out the fab filter doesn't have the same kind of descriptors as the waves ones like Mm -hmm. for instance the attack and release are in percentages and not in time Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of hard to match everything appropriately but that's something that i want 
I would want people to get out of this is to not automatically think you need the same exact plugin, especially if you have one that's newer and can still be linear phase, like the fab filter, mm-hmm. you know, they're both going to be, have their own tone in general. Mm-hmm. But, um, all the main thing I got of it, about it was like what you wanted to get out of me when I was mixing was my thoughts on why he did it. And he said, I like to have things sound like they're radio ready as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And he found that that preset does that for him. And so what I did is went to the fab filter and then went through all the presets on the track I was doing and then found those like electro mastering presets, found out that I hate the third one. I like the first two. I adjust the global threshold on them mm-hmm. to make them just dance a little bit. And then I found that like tighten sub and type in high, tight and high. And I like just adjust that. So it's just touching a little bit too. And it just create, makes it sound more finished to me. Right. Um, and so that I just, that's what I got out of it. Instead of spending what seems like not a lot of money, the 30 bucks for the linear phase thing, I was like, shoot, I can spend $0 right. and find something that works for me. And I'm not copying Greg Wells. Granted, he's worked on a lot of multi-million dollar records. Mm-hmm. Don't have to be a copycat. Right. I can do my own thing and copy the the thought process. Right. And so uh, that's that was a cool, like, it's always fun because I didn't like multi-bands until now. Mm. I just didn't, they just never, I'd always just throw in bands randomly, just put up a random band um, with like, you know, try to just separate the lows from the mids from the highs. Now I just kind of let presets do it for me if I don't like the preset because they can get so complicated. You can, ex- with a fab filter, you can do expansion and compression and then have any number of bands you want versus like, and how you can do the separate gains on each band. So it becomes an EQ as well. Mm-hmm. And so I just let presets do the talking now. And then I just adjust like them globally. And if one band has too much gain, I'll mess with gains because I can understand EQ and that's all you're doing at that point. Sure. But yeah, so it's been really fun. I actually think it's been really helping my productions, my light, latest EP I just mastered, I used um, multi-bands all over. I found some that said, um, tighten low mids, you know, get rid of harshness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I want to do these things. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> they sound good to totally. me. Totally, yeah. And so I just like touched it. So it was like barely grazing it, but then I had to do less EQ later. And the whole thing behind dynamic EQs and multi-band compression is the theory is it doesn't work until it needs to work. Right. So if a part of a song needs to have its low mids tightened, the threshold won't be or it will be breached and they'll low it down right right but until then if it's like a really quiet part of the song where it's okay for the vocal to be a little bit full it's like maybe more of like an acapella part of a song mm-hmm. and it's quieter it won't breach the threshold right. but an eq will make that thin there and also satisfy what you want in like the drop or the you know right and so it just it's more musical right but finding out how you want to they can get dangerous though so i was just using eq before they can they can indeed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a... Uh, I don't really enjoy static. Uh, I don't know if they call it static processing. That's the way I see that's it. That's a good way of putting you know? it. I mean, I always make my own terms up for these yeah. things too. It's just how I feel, you know, yeah. intuitively about what it's I'm It's like hearing. static mixing versus dynamic mixing yeah. for me too. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of a similar thing. No, I for like, sure. I, I've just, I haven't enjoyed that for a long time. And I think what kind of turned me on to it initially was, you know, the concept of... Um, getting contrast between verses and choruses. And, you know, I, I learned really early on, you know, by trial and error and countless mistakes as we all learn the same way that, you know, I, I don't like to rely too heavily on um, sub groups anymore or on the two bus. Like I, I found that it, it does more harm than good. Honestly, when you're trying to ram 40 digital tracks or 150 digital tracks down a two bus chain, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. So, you know, I do a lot of really incremental things. Um, you know, Dom will attest that my process is pretty long winded. Um, and it's, it's a lot more detailed and it's a lot more meticulous, but I think it's that way now because I'm really trying to define my own style as an engineer. And I think that, you know, for you guys out there too, I mean, I would say that should be like the number one goal of all of us as producers and engineers to, you know, watch videos, you know, that, you know, the, the greats are doing like the Greg Wells's and the Andrew Sheps's and the Fab DuPont's and the Tony Maserati's and all these guys and, and learn what they're doing. And as a guy who had the waves plug in for a long time, it's a great plugin. Don't get me wrong. Like the L3 uh, Ultra Maximizer and the Multiband one, I think is one of the best plugins they make. And it has a sound. It's it's very bright. Um, it's got a crispness and an edge where I feel like the Fab Filter, on the other hand, is a little darker and it, it rounds things a little bit. Um, and every plugin is going to have like really really subtle nuances, and that's great. I mean. 
every everything should be a little different but i think the theory is what we're going for here so like with static mixing um like dom was saying like if, if you have like a good example of this is let's say that you have a a lead a synth line right so it's the same kind of synth line in the verse the same chord progression jumps over the chorus let's say that for instance um you set your multiband compressor to where in the verses there's no peakiness but then you bump up the chorus by two and a half decibels and now all of a sudden you feel like there's harshness in the high end so you can leave that multiband compressor on set the threshold to where it won't affect the verse at all and then we'll just tuck back the chorus ever so gently and it's great because it's it's all about like seeing the whole vision of the track and if you can use dynamic processing it's going to give you in my opinion three major advantages the first advantage is it's going to create contrast in your mixes and that's really important like no one wants to feel the same energy for four and a half minutes you know it should vary between the intro the verses the breakdowns the chorus the outro like there should be it should take you on a ride like to feel something statically for four minutes leaves people with kind of a sense of boredom, at least for me anyways. Um, the second thing it's going to do is generate like a significant amount of movement. And the movement is like what gets people's bodies moving on a dance floor, what gives people's head knocking it, what makes people want to tap their feet. You know, if it feels too flat and static, that's gone. And I think the third thing that multiband, um, dynamic EQ, any really dynamic processing does is it sucks you into the energy more of the track. Like even if you're not consciously aware aware of it you'll probably like the song more because you feel like you're in the music rather than you're just a guy in the room like listening to the music what do you think dom yeah that's um pretty much my theory on dynamic versus static mixing because at first it's easy to get good at static mixing which is what i call using the same settings for every part of a song and everything just kind of sits in the same place the whole time and you don't really come to terms with automation. And once you get into using automation and maybe not having all the processing all the time on all of the song, you start getting variances like you're saying and right. just having I, what I start having. Yeah. Con a nice contrast in mixes and right. then having um, just a dynamic mix where mm -hmm. things are changing over time. Mm -hmm. Whereas I could, I mean, I feel like I could blow a lot of people out of the, not out of the water, but blow their minds with just a static mix that I can do. But in the end, the general listener, cause to them they'll, they'll have a way better song right. just cause everything will be bigger and more exciting. But the general listener will just hear this wave of noise the whole time. Not even a wave, just like a line of noise, mm -hmm. especially with EDM, but they don't, feel an impact like you're saying of the rise in the fall of energy throughout mm -hmm. the song and mm -hmm. it's really really important and using automation and getting things moving before you even start compressing and uh eqing's all right because it's not going to really flatten things too much if you use it wrong um but uh yeah really getting just general even big parts just moving up in volume throughout different sections is something that i like doing because in the end like with edm especially things get so limited that you just end up hearing that and feeling that energy versus actually hearing the rise and fall of actual parts. Mm -hmm. Something more like rock mixes, which they still do this, is more apparent in actual volume, but it's okay because it's not necessarily supposed to be... I mean, these days it's all limited. Mm -hmm. But um, in EDM especially, like it's okay. Like For instance, instead of just having a flat snare the whole time, things I like to do is put double the snare or... Um, get a different sample that works well with it mm -hmm. and put it every fourth beat. Mm -hmm. And so, and then also have something else come in on the second beat. That's completely different. That's like on the track I'm working on now. So like, boom, cat, boom, yeah, boom, cat. Like it's like changing each time, but mm -hmm. like in subtly. So your ear picks up different variances. Sometimes we'll even put different widths for each of the hits just subtly. Mm -hmm. And so it's just all these subtle movement things that create the dynamic mix versus static and, to help with that, just to help wrap anyone's mind around it that might still be confused, is using automation of volume and panning in various ways and actually getting some cool like shapes going on with your automation patterns, especially. And like if you see any, like I remember seeing a Morgan Page video long ass time ago, and he's using Pro Tools. He had automation to the house on all of his stuff. Same thing with Cascade. A lot of my old idols, just no, gener not generic, but cool house idols at the time. Automation everywhere. Just everything had some volume automation going on or some synth was being automated. Everything was moving. 
and you don't realize how much it takes to make things sound live and energetic but mm -hmm. it takes a lot <laughs> just start moving things around it does and i mean this is the 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 blessing and the curse that is electronic music it's now bleeding over into pop music um it's it's very sparsely starting to touch the rock community but rock really probably won't ever adopt it because it's so kind of against the norms of rock but you know um, back when people only had consoles, you know, in the 70s and 80s and stuff like that, and everything was really done with hardware, the ability to automate was fader rides, you know, and that's why a lot of guys like CLA and Andrew Sheps and, you know, um, what's his name, Chad Blake and all these dudes, you know, they will all go on record and you can look up all these YouTube videos from these guys and, you know, they have these 80 to 150 channel SSL, Neve consoles, whatever it might be. And a big part of their job is playing the board like it's an instrument and riding faders like like they're creating yeah. the movement of the song. And that's the only downside of the digital realm is that everything is really cheap in software. Boards are really expensive. Most of us are never going to or, you know, have a 150 channel board in our lifetime. So we've got to do everything with a mouse and nodes and moving things around. And maybe if we're lucky, you know, an avid controller or something like that to do it. But it's glitchy. It's not fun. It's a very meticulous part of the process. It's not creative. It's also kind of boring at times. I think it's super creative. I think it's the most creative part of the process besides sound design. It is. It's I mean, like the method of it isn't creative. Like the, the drawing of nodes and moving things and the meticulousness of it, like the theory behind it of what you're creating emotionally is very creative, but it's like people most often don't want to spend three hours drawing like 150 automation lanes. That's not a fun process. Yeah. I think it becomes fun though, because I used to not, for your, the reasons you're saying is I didn't think it was fun, but once you start hearing the results and the difference that it makes in your track, you get addicted to the result. And so every little bit of that, because I think of dubstep people, they're addicted to automation. That's all they do. They just kind of like Skrillex. That's all they do is just automate massive all day. And he's addicted to just coming up with the next cool sound. And that's how you do it, you know? So once you start getting addicted to the result of your shit just being appreciated, <laughs> you know, and thought of as cool, then I feel like it becomes an amazing process. But breaking that barrier is the hard thing and finding out what you like to do with automation. Sure, but, e but even then, like, you're focusing all your attention on what you're getting from the process, which is making you enjoy the process. Like, that's kind of, like, backwards logic in terms of, like, because you're creating a result and an expectation of what you're trying to get, and then you're saying, well, because I'm getting good results, now I enjoy the process. Like, when you grab a compressor or you're playing a synth lead line, you're enjoying the process of the synth because you're in the moment. Like, well, I know the results I'm going to get, too. Like we we're talking about your DBXs, you know you're going to get that nice pop. If that result all of a sudden didn't come, you wouldn't enjoy it as much. You know what the result you're going to get is. So you enjoy it. I don't necessarily follow because I, I don't really, my brain isn't really trained for like results. Like I, I just don't, I guess like I know the sound of the unit. So like the unit, like I guess if I went to it, it's it's like predictability. But like when I'm dialing in the unit, like like for instance, I was talking about like fader rides and stuff. Like I'll do the same thing on hardware. I'll automate thresholds. I'll, you know, put a gain nunch in here and there. And for me, that still feels like a creative process because I'm touching it. And maybe this is just my opinion or the way that I feel about creativity, but it's like out of all the process I can think of when it comes to music production and audio engineering, like the, the, the result of automation is great, but like if I could think of the top five things that I want to do in the studio when I get in the studio, automation is not making the list. Like that to me is not like, oh man, I can't wait to get that automating stage what where I'm going to ride one, all then? these filter sweeps in for a hundred tracks. What would be the number one then? The number one would just be like the actual experience of being surrounded by sound and having the room feel like it's out of time and space and, and engulfing myself in like these sonic waves that make me feel like I'm in like a whole different stratosphere. Like that would be number one. Like to me, automation falls in the technical side of things like because music is both technical as it is creative. Like not everything is creative. Absolutely, you can make it creative. And I think that's what you were trying to articulate was you're saying that because I'm getting good results and because I'm seeing that how my track has become much better, uh, it has more movement, it's more dynamic, I'm now starting to enjoy automation. That's great. But I think if you, if I were to just like pay you to do all my automation or on all my clients automation, I don't think you'd enjoy the automation process anymore. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think that when it comes to creativity, 
if you make the technician process creative, I think that's absolutely great. But at the same time, like I don't feel that most people, maybe we'll start a poll or something on the Facebook mm-hmm. group and see what people kind of say about yeah. this. I don't think the average person would view automation as creative just like they wouldn't do oh, like so bouncing creative. stems or something like that. Well, bouncing stems and automation are completely different. But it's because like, they're both think, technician think about, jobs. Well, think about a... Um, flat sine wave and then think about a sine wave that's using automation of a cutoff filter every second make a wobble you know that is a hundred percent sound design creativity right that has nothing to do with bouncing down files i'm saying you're focused again on the result i'm not arguing the result of what you're getting is creative i'm saying the act of pushing a dot up and down is not the act the act of creating nodes repetitively on a minute scale zooming in making sure their position right nudging them back like microseconds to make sure they're on time (laughs) that that is more of a technician aspect than it is like there's a creativity element to it what it's both and they're tied in perfectly together because every single aspect of working on music in this day and age is tech uh, technology mixed with creativity because you're talking about what you're talking about is turning a compressor knob while it's off versus turning it on while audio is going through it and you're getting a result. No one's ever pushing up an automation point when there's no audio coming through and expecting to have fun. You know what I mean? So you're, you're separating it weirdly when it shouldn't be separated because in our heads, we never separate the two. If that was the case, then... Do you ever just sit down and turn your compressor knobs and like come into the studio and just start putting your hands around when nothing's on? No. Then, yeah, then there's no point. That's If you did that, or if you like doing that, I could see what well, you're coming from. I don't, I'm, not, I'm a little lost in that analogy, okay. but... Put it this way, like you were saying that you're now starting to do automation on your productions. I know when we first started hanging out and we first started talking, you didn't really automate anything. And well, that was, I didn't understand it. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's the thing. That's what I'm getting at here is like because one, it's a lack of understanding. And two, when you when people first get into music production, like they think reverbs, they think space, they think cool synth sounds, they think wicked drum beats, great samples. No one is saying, oh man, I can't wait fucking for automation lanes. That's what I'm saying is like, as you get into music deeper, you start to have a really cool appreciation for automation. Yeah. And you see it as really creative. But I'm saying as a newcomer to music, most people don't get heavily in automation because they perceive automation as being like a task rather than a creative endeavor yeah i can see that and i feel like it's very genre specific yeah because i feel like anyone who gets into dubstep starts automating right away because they see all of their idols doing it and on any or maybe not even idols but just youtube warriors yeah you know and so i guess that's where i'm coming from is there's a lot of genres that i don't really take part in that i know like I've, I know a lot of people who, um, when they were starting out, were doing like, that's where I was like, why am I not automating when these people are? And it's just because my music didn't really call for it as much. And granted, my automation is very subtle. And so it doesn't bog me down. Cause like, actually, you're, I mean, you're totally right to where if I had to do automations for every single track and every single, you know, I'm not doing sound design like that, but I am doing it. If I had to, I would, but like you said, I'm doing it on physical things like analog compressors and sweeping filters and stuff, and I'll do that for every single part, but if I had to do it in the box, I would. No, for sure. I I think you know what you alluded to though is really healthy for people to understand and what I mean by that is this like I think a lot of people would see a concept like automation is not very sexy just like cables are not very sexy for a studio but high quality cables give you better audio signal paths so it's like it's just a reframing of perspective to where it's like if you see anything as mundane like I used to get a year or two ago like the worst part of being in the studio and not running a computer that's super badass was having to bounce down plugins every 30 minutes or so if I was running at a high sample rate I saw that as a drain on my creativity I saw that as like I have to pause what I'm doing put a hold on my vision to like do bullshit CPU stuff because yeah. my machine can't hang right so then you get in the question of why do I spend $5,000 on a machine or do I deal with this and I just reframe my preference to say hey in that time I'm going to listen to five songs of five different genres I'm going to put on Spotify I'm going to go to YouTube and I'm going to make the most out of this time and now I see that as like like the universe's way of like forcing me to take a break it's like you've been at it for 45 minutes your system is getting bogged down you're not going to take a break because you're inspired. You're feeling good. You're in the flow. And then the computer stops. I'm like, okay, that's my sign. You know, I need to do that. So I think like when it applies to different principles, like what you're saying is great. I agree that 
automation is both creative and technical. But I think that that's the thing is only people that evolve in music and get pretty deep in it would come to appreciate the art of automation. Like to me, automation is an art. It's a necessity. Like great songs have amazing automation. Back to patience, all about patience. And because of that, I have a deep appreciation for the creative approach of automation. And I think that's cool. And I think that's like when a beginner would say, I'm having a creative block. And you said the block is in the mind. I think that's what it correlates to is the feeling that when you label something like automation as I don't want to do this, this is a waste of time or bouncing tracks. like I don't want to pause in my process. You're essentially creating a negative connotation for something that's actually a really big part of the workflow, not to mention is meant to teach you something. So I think rather than trying to label things as good or bad, just trying to see everything as integral and everything is important, like enhances your own gratitude for like the music making process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because like, when I started and then like, I'd love to hear, you know, your perception of, you know, when you started and where you are now. Cause like, that's such a cool, you know, journey to go through is yeah. like, you know, I had really preconceived notions about everything. And, you know, when I got into it, you know, I was making, I started, you know, making EDM music and th- something like automation wasn't initially appealing to me. And then I would always say to myself, like, I have to take a moment to do this because all the songs I'm listening to have it and it makes the song so much better. The same thing goes with routing. The same thing goes with um, maybe like when I first got started, like instead of just picking one compressor, I would pick three and then shoot them out and see which one I liked and why. You know, it's like taking those extra few minutes to like understand, okay, why am I doing the things I'm doing? And taking the time to like have an appreciation for the things I quote unquote don't enjoy because if my idols, like you said, and if all the people that are in my circles and the guys that I'm listening to the music, if they're doing all these things, these things are essential. So I'm either going to be suffering the whole time doing a bunch of tasks I don't want to do, or I could redirect my focus and reframe my reality to see these things as not technical, not mundane, but rather like really important and fun aspects of the process, which is why I liked the way you said at the automation is both technical and creative because it absolutely is. Everything with EDM is, in my opinion. Everything in life is. Yeah. Every, Everything's a paradox. All we are is surrounded by machines and things that we don't know how to build ourselves. So right. that makes it technical. Right. You know, if, if it's not, we're not banging two sticks together. <laughs> it's, it's, sure. So it's like, you have to be somewhat of a nerd in this, especially with EDM. Right. Absolutely have to be a nerd in order to even start understanding how to start. Right. You have to do your own research or even have the capacity to listen to someone while after they did the research. Right. And be nerdy enough right. to listen and actually understand and appreciate it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's all, I just, I didn't, I guess I just had a disagreement with, yeah, separating the nerdiness from the creativity because I feel like everything's just like this double helix of DNA intertwined in what makes us want to do EDM. It is. You know, and it's, yeah. you can't really separate it. Yeah. But no, I don't, I don't think yeah. it's a separation because like this is a really good thing because like, you know, I never see things as a disagreement. Like I always see life in all forms of life as just show, showcasing both sides of the truth because like, it sucks. We, we're all brought up with this perception that it's like there's always a wrong and a right, an up and a down, a black and a white. You know, that's not the case. Like, there are two sides of the exact same coin. There's heads and tails on every coin, just as there's wrong and right in every situation. And it's not wrong or right. It's, it's everything is what I like to call a both and situation. It's like mm-hmm. an old philosophical, like, equivocation term that pretty much says it's, it's both of these things equally. And it's whatever you're focusing on is going to be the reality of the situation. So it's like, I'm actually glad we got to stumble on the top because I think that that's where a lot of people can limit their creativity is they get stuck in one mindset instead of seeing that the flip side is equally possible. It's like quantum physics. You know, there's all these electrons floating around in the universe and all you have to do is focus on one. So if you're like, let's say you're um, at the end of the summer, you're going on this big trip. You need to save a bunch of money rather than every day saying, oh man, I don't get paid enough. Like my job sucks. They don't give me enough hours. You could say by this date, I'm going to have a surplus of money. And what you're doing is you're taking that electron that you can't see that possibility that you can't see you're pulling it out of like the cosmos and you're making it a reality by your thoughts and by your focus and i think when it comes to creativity the same thing applies like if you want a creativity 
um, objective to manifest, why would you focus on it not manifesting or what's slowing you down? Why would you say to yourself, I have writer's block because of X, Y, and Z. I'm not creative because I don't have this. My mixes aren't that good because I can't afford these plugins. Okay, if you want to focus on that, that's cool. But it's like, what if you focused on how much you've grown? What if you focused on these dope tools that you do have that you know really well? What if you focus on the fact that you're constantly surrounded with abundance and you have the ability to make music every single day if you want to? That changes your life. You know, that changes your music. That changes everything. Yeah. Um, hmm. to, I'm just going to give everyone a moment to sink that in. Pause and listen. Re-listen. Um, yeah, you touched in on. Um, I would, what would you call the uh, guy who um, set, uh, what would you say that he's looking for when uh, he's trying to get a certain amount of money or a surplus of money by a certain date? I would say that the would reminder, I, I believe in like affirmations and like speaking in a very affirmative manner. So like the words you use in your mind out loud, your friends, super critical. So if you say to yourself, like, I hope by July 30th that I have $5,000, okay? But what would that $5,000... Oh, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is wouldn't that be a result? Isn't that pretty result-based? Yeah. No, well, the, 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 the thing is, is human nature, we're results-based exactly. creatures. Yeah. yeah. And so do I, do I agree with that? No. I, there was a time in my life where I was very affirmation-based and stuff like that. Now, I don't ever set parameters like that. But most people, you know, they, they, we are, we're a goal-oriented society. You know, it's the way our whole education system, business system is structured. So it's like we have to set a target amount by a target date, and that's how people yeah. operate. And for, for most people, as they're getting started in motivation and spirituality and whatever it is that you want to refer to this as, I think that's a healthy practice because that's better than being a pessimist. You know, that's better saying, I don't get enough hours. This isn't going to work out. I'm going to have to sell drugs, you know, whatever it is. It's like avoid that mentality by just being an optimist and, and framing instead of saying, I hope frame it by saying, I will, you know, being affirmative in your, in your, in your dialogue. But I think once you get a step beyond that, it's, it's just trust. It's just blind trust. And all you have to say to yourself every day is like, I believe in abundance and I know that everything will work out exactly when it needs to exactly how it needs to and i have nothing to fear and i have nothing to like even even stress about any day and that's a hard mentality for people to start with because it's so general and you're like okay what the hell is that going to do saying that abundance is going to be good and i have nothing to stress about that's bullshit i've got this this and this to stress about so i can see why that kind of like more quantum you know mentality is really hard to grasp so if you need to set a goal for yourself then be really adamant about that goal you know i wouldn't recommend to like have your whole life based on results but if you need to be a results-based person over a pessimist over somebody who's not getting what they want and frustrated about it i think that's a hell of a good step up in the right direction yeah and i mean i'm absolutely results-based person because i'm aware that i'm playing a game and yeah. anytime I'm on social media promoting myself, I'm playing a game. Yeah. Anytime I'm trying to finish a track, I'm playing a game. And I like the game. That's what I want to do in life is play this game that I call producing EDM music and mixing other people's stuff. And I'm aware that this isn't necessarily the best way to be happy. You know, it's just that's I find as far as materialistic things go, this is how I want to like traverse in the materialistic world is doing electronic music and helping other people make their music better. It's all material, you know, we need material stuff to use. So like I could easily be the non-results person, non-results based person and, and um, not look towards the results. And so for instance, the non-results based person wouldn't think like, or the more um, spiritual person wouldn't think I need this by this date or even think I want to go on this trip they would wake up and go to work and enjoy every minute of what they're doing because they're around people that they get to see every day. Even if they don't like them, they find the goodness in anyone that they're around. And every moment is the result, you know, like the result becomes the exact present and you're not looking for anything ahead of that. And then whatever, and then you just might find yourself in Hawaii, which you were saving up for, you know, because you enjoyed every moment of your work. And when I am working, I do that because that's, well, I'm doing what it's skull mixed in as well, you know, like I'm traversing this game, you know, of mixing and mastering and producing EDM. Yeah. And, um, but because I'm doing what I want in this materialistic world, I also like when I finally sit down in the studio, I can enjoy the present, but it's all like intertwined in this game that I want to play, you know? Right. Cause I mean, 
I could technically go outside and just meditate for the rest of my life, but there's some peace and solace to that, but it's also not as appealing as being able to play with a bunch of toys, you know, and I'm aware it's just how I'm wired is I don't feel like zenning out for the rest of my life. (laughs) For sure. You know, animals will do that for the most part. Like animal, if you just look at animals, they're exactly like the most simple aspect of life you could potentially want to reach and just be so focused on your present that nothing else matters. Right. You know? And so it's, I feel like, like my big way of living personally is it's okay to be a part of the machine. It's okay to do anything you want in this world. Just be self-aware of how you're interacting with it. Right. And know that like, I'm not so invested in this game that I keep referring to that I take it so seriously that if it all went away, then I'm devastated. Right. I'll just find a new game if I had to. Like, I think about that sometimes. Like, what would you do if you lost sight, all your hearing? Because that's a that's a pretty simple thing to happen. Like, sure. my I had the first scare the other day. I think I fell asleep on one of my earbuds because I'll listen to meditative stuff before mm-hmm. I go to bed sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time that I ever rolled over on it. Mm. And the next day, my equilibrium was awful day. And I had to have a recording session with um, some buddies. And I was like, guys, my ears all fucked up. Like I this I've never had this happen to me. And it's cause usually after concerts, right? You yeah. get you get oh. what? Bro, like, just like the next like, day. Eh. Well, yeah, I mean that's really bad. I don't yeah. think I've had that. I, oh, but, I've had that for so many years. I've had muffled ears for the next day, right? Oh, okay. But it's always equal. This is the first time where I felt a shift. Like I had no low frequencies in my left ear. Mm. It was band passed. And then mm. my right ear was fine. And so that was the first scare. And I was like, Man, if this hap- like if this was for the rest of my life, like I couldn't be as good of an engineer as I am now. Like I would just have to come to peace with this. Yeah. But I feel like I would get through it. It would suck. I mean, sure. I would go through a little learning, but yeah, yeah. It's just a self awareness of like, I guess just coming to that, just not take like when, for instance, it comes back to the writer's block thing. Just the reason why you have that and the reason why you have creative blocks is because you're putting a lot of. Um, energy into the result is what we're talking about so it's okay to want results Mm -hmm. but to put all this energy and like what's the word i'm thinking of like angst into it it's like you got to be cool about it and just want a result but not expect it you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. you can dream about a result yeah but not not expect it to happen sure yeah I I feel like there's there's just stages, you know, yeah. like like just like with anybody out there who might have like studied chakras or anything like that, you know, it's it's all like just a, a flow of energy that gets higher and more exponential and more exponential. So, I guess it, it to to simplify this, which would be really helpful to kind of figure out, okay, maybe you're asking yourself right now, where am I? You know, mm-hmm. in my process, like in my spiritual, motivational, interpersonal kind of development. All right, so like, I feel like ground level is no awareness at all. So it's like you're driven by your conditioning, meaning like you have all these patterns, you have all these past memories, and um, that's fueling your life. So a good example of that would be, let's say when you were seven, you saw Paul McCartney. And you were, you know, eight rows away from him and you were just like blown away by that. So now at 30, you know, all you can aspire to is to be a bass player and you don't really even like bass anymore, but there's that memory from your childhood of being seven and seeing Paul and you're like, no, I can't give up on this dream. Like, this is what I want. So that would be what Dom is saying is like no awareness at all. Like you're not aware that you're holding on to this memory and you're convicted in this memory, not really knowing it's not really what you want anymore. So that would be phase A. Phase B would be gathering a level of self-awareness to where you say, hey, I know I'm not really interested in bass anymore, but I still think it'd be a cool life to where you're not like holding on to this desire of this dream. You're aware of the fact that it was like, you know, and better than you when you were seven, but you're like, I don't really care because I love music. So I'm just going to keep it riding. All right. So that would be the next plane. The plane after that would be an enhancement of that, but with gratitude to where you say like, I am just grateful that I get to do music three days a week, five days a week, you know, and you're just revel in the fact that it's like, you're not burdened with health issues. You don't come from like, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Your girlfriend's not crazy and trying to cut your tires up every day with split blades. Like you got it good, you know? So that's when the gratitude comes in. And then after the gratitude, you develop goals, you know, and that's where a lot of people stop at in their spiritual life because you're getting 
fucking awesome results, right? So that's when you build the studio, you have a business, you might have a degree, you've got a, a good relationship, a couple of quality friends or whatever, and you're either releasing music for yourself or you're making enough money to pay your bills and be happy and you're like, I'm there. I hit the dream. Like I'm getting exactly what I want. And that's where people usually stop. And then what they do there is they turn up the heat. They say, well, I need more money and I need more clients and I need more accolades and I need more success. And that's where they plateau is on the success realm. And it's all driven by want. So what Don was saying with expectation, like what expectation is, is essentially you don't appreciate the moment. Let's just be blunt. You're not appreciating what you have and you're saying, I want more, this isn't good enough, and I'm going to work really hard to make this happen. But then, when you're lost in expectation, you're not enjoying the process, you're not being creative, you're not in the moment, you're probably pretty far away from gratitude, and you're not getting what you want. Now, for those who might be interested in getting to like what I would call the, the level of like true surrender or true peace is when you don't want anything anymore. And you can say to yourself, I have it. You know, that's when like you walk into the studio and you feel like you're a superstar. You know, it's like when you listen to your music, you feel like a top 40 artist. When you work with other people, you just radiate the presence like you've already accomplished all your dreams and goals in life and you're already fulfilled on the highest level. And you probably haven't. But that's the thing is that's when the universe kicks in and it says, oh, really? Like, you believe you have all this? I'm going to start giving you pieces. And then all of a sudden a client shows up or all of a sudden somebody calls you and wants to work with you or all of a sudden a mix goes top 10 or like a record label wants you to be the house engineer or the, the friend's band that you always wanted to mix and master all of a sudden wants you to mix their shit all because you've given up the want completely. And that's really hard for people to do because people say to myself like, or themselves, they's like, well, Dom, Chris, like why would I give up my goals? Like, that's what I'm working towards. That's where all my energy is going into. I'm getting all these great results. Like you're telling me that I have to give those up. And I say, yes. And they're like, well then what would I do? How would I achieve that? And that's very counterintuitive because it makes no sense, right? How could you have goals if you didn't put work into them? But that's not how the universe actually works. The universe works by people who are self-actualized and self-realized to where when you wake up every day and you feel like a million dollars, like you're a superstar, like you're a chart topper, like your life is amazing, the universe will just give you that life and you'll have that. And you will have it for as long as you cannot want it anymore. The second you want more, you get less. And that's a really hard thing to understand because that's not how our education system, our parents, our friends will ever talk to us. But like more is a trap and we don't see it more gear, more success, more friends, more money, because all we want from that is more. We might be grateful for a minute, but that gratitude fades away so quickly because we get caught up in our ego and our desires and our dreams. And we think I want to manifest this. And now I got the skills and now I got the gear. Now I got the money and it's a trap. And then before you know it, Look at all these artists, man. Look at the Heath Ledgers of the world, the Michael Jacksons of the world, the princes of the world. Everybody dies off overdoses. Like this is not a coincidence. These people are the most famous, successful people in the world. None of them live to be 45. They're all dead at 35 over drugs because they're miserable. And you're asking yourself, wait a minute, these guys have it all. Do they though? That's the question. Well, if we could talk to him and ask him, would you do it all again knowing the end was going to be the same way? And I would be curious to see if they're like, that's all I wanted to do. And, you know, I contributed what, yeah. yeah. If they felt like it was such a high ride that it was fine sloping off so hard at the end, then, you know, yeah. just, I don't know. I have no way of it's knowing, but say. it's an interesting thought experiment to see if it like is. that, their quality of life, like quality, not necessarily meaning good quality but a quality of life like their personal quality of life if it was what they wanted or if they're always trying to achieve something that wasn't it yeah you know and then that's what rose them to the top eventually but then just having a crazy hard fall at the end sure i mean it's, it's hard to say every every case is different you know i know last time we got together i was sharing like van some stuff i'd learned on van gogh because i find him just fascinating and i'll leave you guys on this because i think this is a really cool story to put stuff in perspective for you you know now vincent van gogh is probably the most famous painter in the history of like humanity 
and he lived only to be, I think, 23 or 32 years old, somewhere in that zone. He painted every day. He never sold one painting, not one. He traded his paintings for food, for shelter, for a blanket, a warm cup of coffee. It's like, that's how he made a living. And he had X amount of dollars a week for food. He cut his food and shelter budget in half so he could afford painting supplies. And he only ate every other day, one meal a day. If he didn't, he wouldn't have new brushes and new canvases. And by the time this guy died at 32 or whatever it is, he, his last words were, I've painted everything that I've wanted to paint. So I have no reason to be here anymore. Yeah. So what was driving him that whole time? His, his passion for painting. Like he, he just, he never cared about making money. He never wanted to be successful. His goal was never, I want to sell a million copies or I want to be recognized by people. He just wanted to paint. That's all he did was paint. So you don't think he tried to get more money for his paintings, but then eventually just had to give them out for free? I think that he did. I think all people are goal prone people and he did that. But like what I'm saying is like, despite him doing that, like the, the, he the kept moral, with it. He never gave up. Well, that, that was his passion. That is like the see, moral of this whole life. Yeah. Well, the moral of the story is he died feeling like a successful painter. That's why I was saying he took mm. his own life saying I've done everything I wanted to. And money wasn't a part of it. No, yeah. like he just wanted to paint. Like yeah. his legacy was that he found beauty in the world and people in nature. And he painted everything in his own style. And he left that behind. He's like, that's all I was here for. I did it. And like now he's regarded as the most famous painter in the world. And his paintings are so expensive. It's stupid. And if you look at the paintings, like Google image them, they look like a 10 year old kid room. Like, they're not there's no shadows there's no great line work like there's nothing like amazingly revolutionary about it but it's like he just believed in himself he did what he wanted to do with his life and it was his unique expression of art and now today we celebrate him for that and i just think that's a cool thing to like apply to music in any area of our lives just to believe in who you are do what you love every day fuck the expectation of it fuck what you can get if it comes to you be grateful and if it doesn't just know that you'll die one day spending your whole life doing what you loved and most people don't get the pressure of doing that yeah see van gogh wait yeah van gogh van gogh um had the uh appreciation gratitude for him completing his art versus the reward he got from it right like he and yeah that's like i just released a song it's not creating any hubbub but i am very 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 happy i did it as you should be it's like i don't i had zero like expectations about how many numbers i was going to get on anything I have gotten like some good reviews from my the girl who sang on it, yeah. like her friends who have no idea who I am. Yeah. Like, you know, they're going to say they like it because it's her, but like, it's, it's all just like, it was my personal, it's all about like my personal achievement of getting, cause I had a creative block of finishing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I could work on this song for another three years. Yeah. If I really wanted to, yeah. trying to get it to that optimal stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the optimal, end, quote in the unquote, end, is like, the word there. no one, even her like ever notices the things that I think need to be changed. No. And as long as it's not literally blinding someone's ears, right? <laughs> blinding ears. I don't right. think that's a thing. It is. But <laughs> it is now, bro. It is now. <laughs> like, don't go ear blind people. As long don't go ear blind. Like, sweet in a way to where your ears don't feel like they're bleeding, you know, right. then it's fine. And whoever enjoys it, enjoys it. But right. it's like, I'm super excited for the, cause I, I'm not like Van Gogh. I don't feel like I've created everything that, I've wanted to in this life yet and I'm excited for the next project and when I'm done with that that's going to do however well it does I'm just going to keep going it's all that matters yeah it's all that matters because yeah it's like a body of work like Van Gogh was instrumental in his success and the fact that he didn't give up because people I feel like put a lot too much energy into one project thinking that it's the game changer but like I didn't find out about Dead Mouse until he was four albums in and right. I need, I don't even listen to his earlier stuff. Right. His like fourth album or fourth like compilation, which I think was at play volume two was the first thing that blew my mind by him. Then I went back and noticed how cool his older stuff was, but I never listened to it a lot. Like I, even my idols, I don't listen to all of their stuff, mm-hmm. but they have 80 songs out there to where I can love 40 of them. Right. And that's a shit ton of songs, you know? So you can't ever get discouraged about the results um, it's okay to have a result oriented mind. Right. But sure. you just can't expect to have the results like always happen the same way and expect a certain amount of result. You know, like you, I, my results are limited to me finishing a song now, that's, you know, that's anything after that. Cause that's I good. have to have like that 
expectation of finishing a song or else you know it's not gonna happen yeah because or else i'll just be happy i'm not happy with just working on a song for the rest of my life which i have been it just it creates a knot inside of me Mm. it doesn't create that like loving feeling of gratitude of Mm. like i'm doing this like i have to keep moving on for new experiences because i love different experiences so right um yeah just i don't know personal yeah no that's great i'll I'll share two final things then we'll we'll, we'll chop it um you know first off i want to share on on a personal note from you because i think this is huge you know i'm glad you share that with everybody because that's huge you know and it's like coming from a guy like myself who you know if it were up to us you know the song would never be finished we'd work on one song our whole lives really we'd never do anything with it i'm just saying you you i and many other people like have that perfectionist mindset to where we're a little too insecure about releasing things because we know it could be better so we say well i'll just give it a couple more days i'll give it one more week i'll wait another month i'll come back to it a month later when my ears are fresh you know we make all these excuses not to finish things so i commend you for releasing something that's huge you know i'm really proud of you because you know when we first met each other and dom and i have known each other really well for a couple years now you know we both shared that was like one of our drawbacks as individuals as creators and we weren't really in a place to be able to do that so to know that you did that and i heard the song it's a great song um i just think like that that should have filled you with extreme confidence and you feel really good. Oh, so it I, is. Yeah. I'm, I'm just sure. riding the wave now. And Ride it. Like, cause I, I'm already happier with my newest production than I was at with the last one after it's been mastered. Right. So like, I'm totally riding the wave and now I'm just like, it's awesome. Gung-ho. No, that's, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. It, it opens the floodgates, which is yeah. really cool. Um, but on like a grander scale, you know, like, Dom was saying, like, he asked me, like, he kind of paused when he was doing that, when he was talking about results, he's like, that okay? And I was like, yeah, like, look at it this way, guys. Like, there's there's no such thing as not okay or okay. Yeah. You know, it's like, I think that's one thing that we've stressed over the course of the podcast, which we're always going to stress is like, like life is what's called paradoxical. Like there is no, no up or down. It's just space. You know, there is no left or right. It's just dimension, you know? So it's like, don't beat yourself up. If you're in a place on that scale where you're like, well, shit, I'm not even optimistic yet. Awesome. That means that's your next phase. Get excited about that. Like you're about to be an optimistic person. If you're like, damn, I'm still bound by goals and results. That's cool accomplish your dreams like get your shit done you're here for a reason you're a unique person like make that your reality like don't ever beat yourself up about where you are just realize that every day is about growth and if you can look back after a week and say hey man i learned a new new trick off youtube or like i have a better relationship with my friend or uh things went really well with my parents and they never really do that's growth man if you look back on each week and be like fuck dude i made a lot of mistakes i pissed a lot of people off i'm getting worse now you got something that you should probably address. But if you're cumulatively in your life, like enhancing your reality and making progress as a human being, then you're a success. Even if you never achieve quote unquote success with money or fame, if you're a person who's growing and developing and learning and becoming a better, more loving, more dynamic human being, then you're a success as of today. So just feel good about that. If you're not growing, you're dying. Correct. <laughs> Correct. That's actually a quote by Mark Gaffney. He, um, him and this guy, Ken Wilber write a lot of books and they're both really good, kind of hard reads, but that Ken and Mark came up with the, the phrase. It's, it's funny. Like they, they say, wake up, grow up and show up. And it's like, it's kind of cool. You know, it's like, you got to wake up and if you can't wake up, you obviously can't grow up and get past your bullshit. And if you don't get past your bullshit, you can't show up to life with passion and seize the day and make sure you're living with some fire behind what you're going so yeah, this has been a great session. I'm glad that um, we were able to do this tonight. It's been a couple months since our last airing, and I think this really tapped into a lot of different things that I think will be really valuable for a lot of people on on the realms of creativity. And as always, Dom, I, I just enjoy your presence, man. It's good yeah, to see you. you too, man. And uh, next time, I would like to touch up on the quote and expand on, um, this is my new favorite quote, and mm-hmm. that's, as you know, it's a part of my life that... Uh, like, cause I like to focus on things that I feel like I, like you said, like places I could grow in, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. understand. So yeah. it's my new favorite quote is uh, comparing is the thief of joy. Mm. That and, is a good thing to start yeah, on. And I think it was for the- next time. Yeah, yeah. Theodore Roosevelt may have said that may mm. have not. Um, mm. I heard it on a podcast. I forget it was the initiator, but it's a beautiful quote and it all stems from the fact that nothing's bad or wrong. Just, you know, different, you know, like there's no negative sides of life it's all just different and so yeah we'll touch up on the next time we will enjoy that until later guys peace out